All right. We're talking today about just some general questions, answers about homosexuality and overcoming it. And we opened up kind of this discussion around some things that we felt were some of the top things that were either helpful in our journey to overcoming homosexuality or things that really allowed us to see truth. But then Corey brought up this great question. So I want you to ask the question again about rebellion. Okay. I was just wondering if you've seen rebellion tied to homosexuality, because it seems like you can't really be in this sin without some level of rebellion linked. Right. And I think that's a great question. I don't know that I would have ever thought about it back then. Would you? Like um, when all this began, did you see Corey no. as rebellious? Well, I might have felt it, but I didn't really understand. I don't think, I don't see it like I do now. Right. And I would say myself, I don't remember seeing Lee as rebellious. I mean, I was a good boy. I tried to do the right thing because I knew that's what my parents wanted. So I think compliance was a big thing in my life. I think compliance at school was a big thing in my life. But as you said that, I was thinking, I think I think rebellion is a huge thing because I think if you look at the sin of homosexuality, rebellion is the fuel that keeps it going. Because I, as you were saying that, I was thinking, yes, I was a very compliant child on the outside. Right. Which is... The, the treacherous ground, I would say, around this sin, because it's, it's this sin that will create this young boy or, or, or girl. Usually, I'm going to talk about boys today, because I don't know that girls have the same component of perfectionism and compliance. But I think especially for boys, you'll find that most folks who have homosexual struggles are good boys their mommy loves them. Oh, mom, that's mommy's favorite boy because he does exactly what she wants. He's very compliant. Teachers love him. He's the teacher's pet because everybody wants to, to, you know, everyone likes that he complies with everything and he's very polite and kind and yes, ma'am and no, ma'am and all these things. But I think that is just a charade. It's the, it's the outside of what he knows is expected and the rebellion is on the inside. The rebellion is, is I'm hurt, I'm angry, you don't have the right to tell me no. And that's kind of what we were talking about and I was thinking about that is that there were so many times I used to cry out to God and say, take this from me, God. And and I was just experiencing it all over as we were talking earlier, is that I really feel like God would try to take it, and yet I would say, no, you don't get to say, you don't get to take it from me, because today I need it. And that's kind of what we were talking about, is that whole process of we cry out to God and say, take it from me, but then when he says, okay, I'm going to take it, we go, oh, no, not today, I need it today. So then we get mad at him because he won't take it, but he says, no, don't do that today. And we go, I'm not listening to you. So I think that's where the crazy feelings of rebellion are what 
or what we have to overcome is what gives us the right to say no to a living God. Well, it's we have the right to keep it because you don't know how I've been hurting. You don't know that I need this. You don't know what I've been through. And like you said earlier, you don't know, you haven't taken it from me, so I'm going to keep using it until you take it. Yep. But, but then we put God, I think, in this kind of crazy, you know, tie your hands kind of situation because we, you won't take it, but I also don't want you to take it some days. Because if you take it, what am I going to do to comfort myself? Which is, I think, a crazy place of we can hate God for not coming through and, and taking it from us. But then when he reaches down to try to say, no, I'm going to take that from you, we get mad and throw a fit. Yeah. Well, it's almost like we want us, we want him to just take the desire away, the temptation away. Right. Instead of having to resist the temptation and eventually we can find healing from it. Yes. We don't like to do the work that it takes to get to the place where he, we no longer feel attracted. We just want him to take the attraction. And actually, it's kind of interesting in my spirit. I see that as completely opposite. We actually have to be willing to give up the sin before the attraction starts to heal. That's kind of mm. crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, if we really look at that, if you want the attraction to go away, you can't keep participating in the sin. Right. You can't wait to stop the sin until the attraction goes away. You have to stop it right. first. Yes. And fight through it because every time you give into it, all you do is re-strike up the attraction even more. And that's really, <laughs> that's like, you know, the ant yelling at the rubber tree plant saying, why aren't you lighter? And it's like, that's, it's kind of like this little human being looking at God saying, why won't you do what I ask? And he's saying, I've already been telling you, I can't, I won't take the attraction until you let go of it. But you want to keep it because you like what it gives you. So that kind of sounds like a trust issue too, because if you give up the sin, you might think that you're never going, your attractions are never going to change. And right. so it kind of keeps you there because you get discouraged. Absolutely. It's a no-win situation. It's, I have the attraction, so I act on it, so I feel discouraged. But then I ask God to take it away, and he says, I can't take it until you give up what you're doing, so the attractions will go away. And then we say, but I can't give up what I'm doing until you take the attractions away. And so what if we give, give up that sin, but the attractions don't go away? What if? I mean, that's a speculation. Yeah. Most people don't give God the chance to get there. Most people want it be, to be done yesterday. Well, I gave up. I gave up masturbation for six months, and I'm still attracted. So, are you willing to give it up six more years? Not because you don't like it or you do like it, but just simply because me as your God has said, no, I don't want you to do that anymore. 
you know, that's kind of a crazy place, right? Do we trust God enough when he says, no, you can't do that anymore? Do we trust him enough to say, when he says, no, I trust him? Even if I still got the attraction, he said, no, and I'm still going to trust him. See, that's a crazy place because that's, that's being God in your own life. Wow. That's saying, well, I don't really trust you, God, because I've been waiting here for six months for you to take this, this attraction, and I gave up masturbation, and I haven't looked at porn for six months, and you still, I'm still attracted. So you do what is right and what is true because I tell you, not because you somehow get something out of it. Yeah. And what if six months in one day is when it changes? But the problem is, is we get mad at God, right? Well, I've still been waiting down here and I'm lonely and I've been wondering where are you and I miss masturbation and I miss pornography and I don't have the same route to get my needs met anymore. And so you don't care if my needs aren't met. Yes, I do care about your needs being met, but no, you don't get a right to do that. You have free will, so you can choose to do it. But no, if you're asking me, I'm telling you no. And that's a crazy place because that's why I think it's kind of interesting that you bring up rebellion because it's exactly what that is. It's rebellion. It's saying, I know better than you, God, how to overcome this thing. Which just is, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I know people listening can't f- see it or hear it, but and feel it. But I mean, it, it's doing a crazy thing in my heart right now of, of just bringing to some sort of absolute healing the place where I used to yell out to God and say, why won't you heal me? Yet I would absolutely rebel against anything he said. And I'm hoping people are hearing that who might want to get free. You can't sit and shake your finger at a living God and say, heal me, but I'm still going to go do what I want to go do. Because that's like having a clogged artery and about to have a heart attack and telling the doctor, but I'm still going to go eat three Big Macs, but I still want you to heal me. It's like you don't get to do that. Right? There's no healing there. You have to be willing to let go of the sin so that he can heal you rather than you saying, take away the, the results of the sin so that I don't want it anymore, but I'm still going to hang on to it if I might need it. Right. Yeah, and it also sounds like there are some self-pitying kind of feelings and sure. statements there like, look at how I was hurt or, you know, just poor me. I, I, you know, just very self-focused negative toward yourself that eventually may lead to rebellion or whatever. Right. Well, self-pity, you know, I think those, that's a, another great word. You're just full of great words today, aren't you, Corey? (laughs) I think it's a great word because, you know, if we look at self-pity, it's us pitying ourselves, Well, usually we pity ourselves either, number one, because we don't feel like anybody else understands our pain, Mm -hmm. or number two, 
sometimes we've grown up with a mom who did nothing but pity us. And so we're just used to that. But either way, it's a real hurt. It's just that we take it to God and we want God to pity us as well. Well, there's no healing in pity. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to say, I'm hurting God. He'll heal those places. But but pity is saying, don't you feel sorry for me? And he says, yes, of course I feel sorry for you. But no, you still don't get to do what you want to do if you want healing. You know, it's, it's kind of like the little kid who, who wants to not be called chubby anymore, but his mommy gives him a cookie every time he hurts. And so he says, I don't want to be chubby anymore. Oh, but I feel so sad. Give me a cookie. And mommy says, okay, here's a cookie. God's not going to do that with us because he knows our wants are only going to hurt us. So if I can go to him and say, heal me, and he says, okay, stop masturbating. And I go, sorry, not going to. And I know it's not as easy as this. I don't want to make it sound like it's this black and white kind of thing where, oh, great, today I'm just going to choose not to masturbate if you've been doing it three times a day for the last 20 years. I'm just saying that it's important to look at the rebellious place in your heart and would you be willing if God were to step down in that place right at that moment where you got everything just right, the way you like it, you know, you got your porn open, you got your pants down around your ankles and you're masturbating and God were to step down and say, no, you don't get to do this today. Would you stop or would you keep going? And I'm not asking you that personal question. I'm just asking people to think about that. Because many times I believe he does that. He says, I love you enough to say no. Are you willing to stop? And many times we're not willing to stop. Those who love me obey my commandments. Because we don't really love him. We just want him to rescue us, but we don't, know, we don't really want what it takes to get rescued. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and what does it take? Absolute surrender. It takes absolute surrender to be able to say, it's not my will, but your will be done. I get it. It's an addictive quality. I'm not saying even God says, if he were to say, stop today, that you'd never fail again. I'm just saying, look at the rebellious place in our heart. When God says, no, son, you don't get to do that today and we go ahead and do it, that's rebellion. Some people look at that as addiction. Some people look at it as, you know, I just can't stop, whatever it is. But the truth is, is as we begin to look at that place, what if by chance it is a rebellious place inside your heart that says, you don't get to take away the only thing that I find comfort in? Even if he says no. Which is a crazy ride. Yeah. Because then you can't put it off on God anymore. You have to begin looking at, am I really willing when he says no to say, okay. Right. You're right. <clears throat> and you're saying no to lust, which is insatiable. So sometimes I just wonder why or I just kind of think about it. Like people chase lust and they know it's never going to satisfy, you know, what, 
it's just amazing that that pull can be so strong that that's what you're battling. You may know turning to God is the right thing to do, but it's like, how do you really trust that he's going to give you what you need instead of you going to this thing you already know is messing you up? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think there's where true brokenness has to be overcome because I don't know that everyone sees that. You may see it after years of looking at that lust is insatiable and will not satisfy like God can. But I think, unfortunately, the crazy part is, is lust does satisfy. You know, unfortunately, it does feel good to have somebody else do sexual things to you. It does feel good to ejaculate, to orgasm. All those things feel good. So so lust does give a does give a momentary glimpse of some satisfaction over our pain. The problem is, is we never get to see the truth of who God is and how much he will absolutely satisfy if we're willing to settle for the junk that lust provides. But there's a heck of a lot of people out there who who strive to find lust and get a lot of satisfaction out of it. That's why the porn industry is so big. That's why the the uh, whole gay community is functioning around one thing, which is the kind of person they want to have sex with. That's why young kids are having sex in the backseat of their parents' car, because sex does offer something that that does satisfy, but it's never going to meet the expectation. It's never going to meet the level of satisfaction God can give. But most people don't go looking that high. They stop and they settle for the present, for the temporal. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how to describe that. I, I know that. I mean, I was there. I mean, I was in church thinking about having sex, <laughs> you know? But it's tr- usually, at least in my opinion, it's because we don't really trust that God can meet that need until we get far enough away from lust that we can actually start to feel his love. Lust will never allow us to feel God's love. We'll have momentary glimpses of it, but you can't feel God's love when you're covered in lust. So that's why you still feel just as empty. You may see God in the distance, but you can't feel his love if you keep turning back to lust. So that's why people settle. It's like, okay, I guess I'd rather have sex with this anonymous stranger than to really figure out what love looks like, which is, I think, the crazy place. And it makes you feel crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I know it did make me feel crazy. Yeah. Because I would know that God's calling me. I could hear his voice in the distance, you know, Lee, I love you. I'm like, I want to get to you then let go. No, I don't want to let go. Why? Because this I can count on. I'm not sure I can count on you. This has always been here for me. I don't know that you're going to always be here for me. That's, I think, the next piece of why people get stuck in their brokenness is sex is reliable. God is absolutely reliable. 
but we don't know that in our brokenness because all we can see are glimpses of him. And we generally put our parents' face on him or we put some buddy's face on him. And so he's trying to say, hey, I'm absolutely reliable. If you'll come meet me over here, I promise you I'll show you great and wonderful things. No, this is trustworthy. This sex I do is trustworthy. I know that if I go looking in this chat room, I'll find this somebody who wants me. I don't know that you want me. Those are the things I think that make it so hard to let go of. And, and so if we don't know God in that way, then it's very hard to see him. That's why usually we need somebody to help us get to that place of at least seeing what he sees about us. Whether it's a person that takes us to church or a person that keeps trying to speak truth in our lives, you know, um, it's very unfortunate that most sin feels good. If it didn't feel so good, we wouldn't be so drawn to it. Right. Yeah, I think another thing about homosexuality, since it's being so accepted, it's harder to see it as something to let go of, you know? I don't know if you ever felt this way, but thinking that you were going to be missing out or something it, because you couldn't, you know, have a the kind of a relationship that felt normal or natural, you know? Yeah. And so maybe people stay in it because they still don't trust God or they, it's just such an unclear picture in the future of if I let this go, what, what does that mean for my life? You know? Yeah. Well, it's almost as if there's a place where you say, I'll settle for the thing I know, even though I feel it tearing me apart inside versus the thing I don't know that I don't know that, that I'm afraid I'll never get anything from. Exactly. And that's, I personally believe that's all sin, but I think you're right. I think homosexuality, you know, the craziest thing about it is, is it, it's so much, so sinister and so evil because what it does is it tells this young boy growing up, you'll never find anybody who loves you. You'll never get somebody who loves you. You're never going to measure up. Ah, uh, I'm the thing that will help you measure up. Because now if you have sex with this other boy, you will feel totally accepted. Mm -hmm. And the crazy place is, is in, some, in something in that moment, they probably do feel totally accepted. For the first time, they feel like somebody wants me and wants to know me. Because sex is a knowing thing. It does, you do know that person. I mean, when you get that close to someone, you do know something about them. You don't know who they are. You don't know their favorite color. You don't know how their heart is but you know they want you in that moment. So you feel known on some level. But then what it says after that is, look how despicable you are that you'd even do this. And that's the fight of the gay community is how do we convince ourselves that what we just did is purely and absolutely acceptable so that I don't have to feel the shame afterwards. And once you sear that part of your conscience over where you don't feel the shame anymore, then you can go have sex with anybody you want anytime you want and feel absolutely great because this is how God made me. God doesn't say that, but that's what they say. So then I don't have to feel bad anymore over the very sin that brings me here. And that's what homosexuals desire 
not homos- the sin of homosexual, that's what the desire, his desire is, that demonic homosexual uh, spirit. The desire is, is I want you to fully embrace me and not ever see your father again. I want you to fully embrace who I am as your God. That's Satan's desire is to be your God. And if you fully embrace homosexuality and say, this is who I am. This is what you made me to be. This is how I function. This is what gives me life. Then you'll never see off in the distance this father who loves you so much, who sees you falling into the pit of despair. It's a crazy place. Yeah. Well, and that's the sadness. Yeah. That's just in my heart the true sadness is you see a father in the distance grieving over losing his children to this lie. But it's like you look at them and they don't even want to see the truth because the homosexuality has overtaken their eyes, their ears, their heart. So do to you the, sorry to the point they believe it. So do you see someone who is maybe struggling through that as in the battle of getting sucked into that place of where they're just seared conscience and everything? Mm-hmm. It's kind of what the what the goal of the enemy is, basically. I believe the goal of the enemy with any sin, I mean, we're not just picking on homosexuality, but the, the goal of any sin is to make Deceive. you feel like you know the truth and there is no other. You know, a person who who murders feels entitled to murder. The sin of death, the sin of murder, the hatred there, says you have every right to take this person's life. God in the distance is saying, that's not my best for you. I am the one who, who dis- disperses justice. Let me take care of whatever you see here. But they don't want to do that because they're being told, you have every right. Worship me, the sin, the the demonic murder. Give me your everything and I'll give you the right to go kill. You know, it's the craziness of all, all sin is Satan saying, I will be your God and I will actually let you do mostly whatever you want. And I'll pretend I can offer you everything. But your dad's in the distance saying, wait a minute, that's not my best for you. Let me show you what true love looks like. And it's like I'm too far gone. I can't see your true love anymore. So I'll settle for this despicable falsehood and lose out on eternity. Wow. Crazy stuff, right? Yeah, that's deep. Well, it is deep, and it's a crazy place because I feel for people who struggle, and there's so much anger right now because they think people are trying to take away something from them, their right to be a certain way, when the truth is really only trying to tell them you don't have the right to rebel anymore against truth. And if you'll just stop rebelling, if you'll stop pursuing the things that aren't truth in the first place, and just stop. Let me show you my love then you might find you don't want to even be in homosexuality anymore. I mean, I know that God never stopped pursuing me. Never. Even when I was said, forget it, I think I'm gay, I'm going into the lifestyle. He never stopped pursuing us. 
I don't think he ever stops. I think there does come a point where our eyes and ears are so seared over, our conscience is so seared over by the lies that we've had to to buy because you know, I'm sure I don't know if you ever remember this, but there is that I remember the pivotal point between truth and lie. Either you give yourself completely over to the lie and say God makes me this way or you have to stay completely in the truth and say I know that God didn't make me this way. And once you fight so hard to give yourself over to that lie, then it's very hard to come back. I'm not saying it's not it's not I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying once you've given yourself over to that lie, it does feel better because now you don't have to fight anything. You just absolutely give yourself freely to whatever the sin takes you to. And then you end up looking around and you're in all kinds of broken places and you've got all kinds of brokenness, but you sure seem like I'm completely happy because everything I do, I get to be the, the master of my own destiny. Yet that's what the Bible talks about is... You know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Because at some point, you'll be off in the distance when Jesus returns, and you may not have an opportunity to come back. So we've talked a little bit about homosexuality today. It was fairly deep. Hopefully it wasn't too deep, but I hope you've gleaned some good things here. We will keep talking about some of the places where it is helpful that we found helpful to overcome homosexuality and we will keep talking because freedom is real and we thank Jesus for his freedom. God bless you all and we'll keep talking.